Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who shared around that main episode with Sean this past weekend. It was a huge, huge help in getting the word out there about that episode and about this show in general. That is how we spread the word, and that is how we continue to get great guests like this. So thank you once again to all of you who helped out, and thank you to everyone who's going to help out moving forward. When you're doing your show, you have your worldview, you have your thoughts on how you would like everyone to think if they thought like you. But are you also thinking about the long term of like bringing a wide net of people from both ends of the political spectrum who are just coming somewhere to get a different perspective, not necessarily just to change their mind on things? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm broadening my horizons on on my channel right now, you know, and and I want to I'm not pushing a narrative. I mean, I have strong opinions on certain things and most of the time I try to keep my opinion to myself. Sometimes uh sometimes I just you know, I'm human. Sometimes I get upset. I just I just did one with a the number one ethical hacker in the world who's uncovering he's basically hacking into all these websites where sex exploitation is happening. Mm. His name is uh, Nathan Larson. Nathan Larson faces multiple sex crime charges tonight. Police say he met a 12-year-old girl on social media, went to Fresno, California to meet her, and then abducted her. Ryan, do you think you could demonstrate right here, right now, how fast these predators will show up in a chat room? Yeah. Fire your computer up. Let's do it. It hasn't even been 60 seconds yet. And and I lost my shit on the pod. I just lost it. You know, I, I got a yeah. sensitive spot for kids. I don't think that's political. <laughs> and well, it it does it does Holy get political. Shit. It does get political. Do you want me to go into why? Sure. Because you have states like California who are starting to normalize this pedophilia shit now. How are they doing that? Well, they have a law. We should look this up on the yeah. break and bring it in. But they now have a law where. It's okay. The, they put it in the judge's hands on whether they want to label somebody who said sex with a 14-year-old or older. They, they don't have to go on the sex offenders list. They don't, I don't think they even have to charge them. Then, wait, say, wait, say that again? 14. You can have sex with somebody who's 14 years old and have no consequences. In California. For being on the sex offender registry. Yeah. I don't think they even have to charge him, but you should look that up. Don't take my word for it. Now, another bill is being introduced in Minnesota. Just saw that the other day. And so it does turn political because then you have, you see it? Is it up behind me? Yes, it is. There you it is. Me, you want me to read it? So that you yeah, have go it? ahead. It says, in September, a new law signed by California Governor Gavin Newsom amends a former law by giving judges discretion on listing an individual as a sex offender if they have consensual, anal, or oral sex with a minor age 14 or older. The type of judicial discretion is already granted in statutory rape cases involving a man who has vaginal sexual intercourse with a minor. However, it didn't include circumstances in which an adult engaged in consensual, oral, or anal sex with a minor. So that's political, you know, and Fair that, enough. that, 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 that closes me off. You know, that's once, once a party stands for that, I'm out. I don't want to hear what they have to say anymore. But, um, 
And it's spreading. You know, it is. It's spreading. In Washington, now they will confiscate your killed your children from you if you don't want them to to have a sex change, and they want to. Yeah, that gets that situation to me is getting weirder and weirder by the day because I think rights have to, my personal opinion I think rights have to be your own individual thing but there's also there's the age of consent in this country right there's there is a psychological reason why parents have custody of their kids before a certain age and I think we're getting too dangerous on the path of there being some mental health crises that then bleed over into things like this and then parents are almost bullied into having to agree with what that is and we're allowing kids to make not just life-altering but insane decisions when they're sometimes 11 or 12 years old that in many cases can't be fully undone Mm -hmm. that i agree with you is crazy and and i i do live in a world where i think people should be able to make their own calls and i think when someone's 18 like i i think that's what it is but when you're, with you when you're talking about the kids i mean i was a fucking idiot when i was 24 man you know like what do you think i was when i was 12 yeah 15 i mean you can be on your parents life insurance policy until what 25 i think that's but right you can you can take a eight-year-old and put them in state custody because the parents don't agree that the eight-year-old doesn't know what they really want. You know what You know what I think a big problem with that is, unfortunately? What's that? And I say this as someone who is not a fan of socialism, and I do think that for all its flaws, capitalism is the best option we have. But that's a flaw of capitalism because if you look at these free market systems, you're basically getting a subscriber for life when you do this. Well, I don't think that's a flaw of capitalism. I mean, I can see where you're going with this, but there are it's not an adult. You know? It's not an adult. I think Vanderbilt oh, University right, right, right. was doing surgeries on eight year olds. Like I could be wrong on this. I didn't know what we were gonna talk about, so I don't have all my facts, you know, written down, but so you guys, you know, who are listening, you need to look this stuff up yourself. Yeah, but I think most places do have the surgeries banned until 18, but the the hormone replacement and stuff like that, which is something they do allow, that is a huge problem because you are ch- when you when you're stopping puberty from happening to a kid, they don't recover from that. Nope. You know, so it, no matter how you're looking at this, I I understand and and what what you're saying and I I do agree. I I think I think this is one of those things where it's like common sense has kind of left the room, yeah. right? Yeah. And now we're so far down and we developed these two sides who are like, you know, one wants it all, the other wants none of it. And like, I just want to live here where people, when they're an adult, can make a decision. I'm with you. I'm I'm 100% with you on that. But, you know, back to, I can't remember what the original question is, but some some, yeah, I am trying to broaden my horizons and bring like i said i love new ideas i want to hear them but man when i see where we're headed and you know i have a son now he's 19 months Mm -hmm. old if i lived in california my son was out playing in the front yard and he or i had a daughter and she was 14 and that you know that age is going to lower you know they're gonna they're gonna lower it because 
once we start down this road, we see it every single time we go full bore into it. So it's going to, who knows what the age will drop down to, but could you imagine having a 14-year-old daughter playing in the front yard and some weirdo stops and he's trying to pick her up and you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. It's legal there. Nothing. What are well, you going to do? Well, you can stop that because they're below 18. As a parent, you could stop that. Not in California. You could stop it. It's What they're saying is that if it's then adjudicated, when it's adjudicated in the court, they're saying that they may not have to register as a sex offender, but it doesn't say like they still won't get charged with that. If it's consent, right? Yeah, if, if it's consensual. If, she could, if she's consensual. If they have consensual sex. If I'm guessing here in California, it's kind of a crazy state at this point. Like there's a lot of problems. If I'm guessing here. This is a mistake to me, first of all. When I, when I read this, this, this should stand out to everyone like this is a huge problem. But this probably came from some case where, you know, it's what, – what's the, what's the psychological thing where they say like the tragedy of one then becomes the law of all? You know what I'm oh, talking about? I've heard something like that. This was probably some sort of case where some like 18-year-old kid – hooked up with a girl who was aggressive and who looked a lot older than she was. And then he was forced to register as a sex offender for life. And so now they want to have this as discretionary for all judges. If I knew that all the judges were going to look at this though, and say like pretty much every time, like unless it's an extreme situation like that, Oh yeah. Sex offender. I'd be cool with it. But we all know now judges are going to want to have their numbers and they're going to want to say, well, half the cases I'll do it, half the cases I won't. Or 60% I'll do it, 40% I won't. And you're going to let people slip through the cracks, which makes this crazy. I do agree with that. It gets hard <laughs> It gets hard for me to, to broaden the horizons when, when this kind of stuff is happening. I mean, they want to... I read something the other day that said they want to... They want to... I don't know the correct term. It's, I think it's ridiculous that there's even a PC term for it, but I just talked to a, a cop in California who there is a PC term now, politically correct term for pedophiles. Come on. There is. I can't remember what it was, but... It's not like person who likes young people. It's something like that. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. You know what I mean? And that brings us back to mainstream media. And what you were saying. All right, guys. Sometime in the next week or two, you are going to officially see our pop-up shop pop up. We're going to have about 10 to 15 different items in there. This is going to be a limited time offer with limited supply. So when you see me post about it on YouTube and when you see me post about it on Instagram at Julian D. Dory, if you're not following me over there, you want to go in and get yours while the going is hot. I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to be up. I'm not going to tell you the supply either, but it's not going to be unlimited, put it that way. So really looking forward to doing this. We've been working on this with 23.5, the company, for the past three plus months at this point, and I'm really thrilled that we finally have some good apparel coming out. Go get it. Looking forward to dropping that, and I will see you guys very soon with it. What's going on behind the scenes with all these stupid bumper sticker headlines, you know? Well, this is one thing that's going on behind the scenes. And so if people don't start fucking paying attention and quit watching their bullshit, their, you know what I mean? There are fucking bumper sticker news reporters who are told exactly what to say. Just like, look, what? why did Tucker Carlson get fired? Yeah, I'm not even a fan of Tucker yeah. Carlson. But why did he get fired, you know? Because he because had... he didn't fall in line with the narrative. Yes, yes. Now he's gone. That's true. You know, and and so if people don't start digging in and doing their research 
and I know it's tough out there. You know, you, you hear it all the time. Well, I'm just trying to get through the day and did it. Well, it takes more than just getting through the fucking day now, especially if you have kids. You know, this is our kids' futures. And and look at what's happened. Look did at that, what's look what the fuck they have to look forward to. Now. When you had your kid, did that severely change how much you looked at things like this? Yeah, it did. Understandable. It did. Very yeah. understandable. But I dive in more now because I'm concerned. You know, with that being said, I think it would be the same amount of outrage. You know, I've always had a soft spot for, for kids. Yeah. And um, and to see this shit, it just blows my mind. And I don't know how you can – I don't know how anybody can back it, but it seems like 50% of the country is more than willing to back this shit up and get it in as law. And back pretty soon we'll see – pedophile rights people marching down the fucking street burning cars throwing shit through windows raiding gas stations you know all in the name of uh inclusivity i think that that'll actually be a red line i think i think you'll if if god forbid we get to a point like that and i hope we don't i hope you're wrong about that but i think i think you'll be very surprised at what a red line that is for a lot of people because this right here that's the first time I read this. You saying this to me and then finding this on some, I don't know what fucking website this is. But didn't Gavin Newsom, didn't he get, because rec- that went into law, I believe, in 2020, if I remember 2021. correctly. 2021. 2021. Like- was that after his recall or before? Because he got recalled, remember? And then they voted him in again. I guess this would have been shortly before, because that recall was, what, the end of 2021, right? Yeah, I'm so. Right. We'll check that, but. There it is. Yeah, I, I, I think. I think you'll be – if it did come to something like that, like that awful image you just painted, I think you will be pleasantly surprised at the number of people who will be like, yeah, fuck that. Because it's not – you know, once once you start getting to things like this, like you say 50 percent of the country would get behind that, I think you're giving people way too much credit when you say that. And here's what I mean by that. When people vote on things, right, if they're left or right – they generally vote on one, two, or three issues that they care about, right? Maybe it's three. Maybe. Usually it's one or two. And what happens is you get so dug in on that thing, and it could be something as simple as like fuck Trump or fuck Biden. It mm-hmm. could be something as simple as that. You just don't like the other person. That then you will get behind and, and cognitively bias ignore all the things from the worldview you're getting behind that you may not agree with because it's not your main thing. And you will look over stuff like this. Now, this hasn't been reported, as I said, obviously in the media very well because I, I certainly haven't seen shit like this. This is very alarming to me, this law in California that you're talking about. But when people are forced to look at it at the forefront, I think you'll, you'll start to get a lot more reasonability. As an example, actually, when we're talking about like abortion and things like that. That came all to the forefront last year when that, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and everything. There were a lot of people I talked with because this is an issue I don't really make a lot of friends on. You know, I'm like a very middle grounder. Like I believe in pro-choice, but like I'm firmly against like late-term abortion and when it gets really past like 50%. But I was surprised at how many people I talked with who are hardcore pro-choice people who were pretty close to what I think. And thought like, 
oh, yeah, like aborting like a seven or eight month old baby, like there better be something crazy going on, like the baby's dead or something like that for that mm-hmm. to happen. Whereas, you know, then if you listen to the main narratives, it'd be like, oh, up until the point of birth, right? Which is fucking nuts. Yeah. But once people were forced to face that, even in a moment where they were pissed off about a law being overturned, so to speak, in, in the Supreme Court, even those people that I was talking with, at least in my anecdotal experience, had the presence of mind to be like, well, yeah, but we don't want to go there. That's fucking nuts. So I think I, I think you can hold out some hope on, on people thinking like that. I understand why, why you're getting down on this because there's so much sexualization that I think is over-normalized. In culture, and I'm sure as an, as a relatively new father, that's I mean I'm not a father yet. I know that's something that's that's certainly going to bother me when I have kids. Are you going to have kids? Oh, I would love to. Yes, I hope you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, but not yet. I don't, I don't think there's any little Julians out there walking <laughs> around right now. But when I get to it, like yes, and I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have a a very similar fear of that. And and you should. I think it's being a good father. But I had asked you all this about you know having whether you want your platform to change opinions versus also just having a place of different perspectives which is kind of what i get from yours because i come at it from a different worldview than you do but i i think you could build that i just i'm curious because for people who haven't seen your podcast before which you should definitely check it out sean ryan show on youtube spotify apple it's phenomenal stuff you do really deep hard-hitting content like you're not – you were talking about this with me in the car. You're not the guy who's going to go in there and, and you know have some episodes where we're fucking around talking about current events and stuff. Mm-mm. Like you want to have people in there not just from the military background, from all different types of backgrounds now where, as you're expanding to tell wild stories that you will litigate sometimes for seven or eight hours. And yep. it's, it's incredible stuff. But I think doing this myself and having a long form platform and understanding what it's like to get really engrossed in deep stories, you know, I always try to check myself in that I get to hear all these different perspectives on very specialized things and you can get really down or really high on things because you're so close to it and that you can kind of miss what's going on in, in the full society. And like I was reading your Twitter a couple weeks ago and and you were talking about you know you seem like really upset you seem like i think there was i'm paraphrasing but there was some tweet where you were like i don't even recognize the world around me anymore you know and and like if i didn't know you and didn't talk to you i would think you were depressed as all hell i'd be calling you like yo are you okay i was you were i was do you think my question was going to be do you think that Getting to see the things you get to see so up close and personal. You're recording with people for hours and hours, and then you're basically making documentaries every week and putting it out with crazy content. You're living with it. When you live with things like that hacker who catches people trying to have sex with kids online, do you ever worry about you falling into the, oh, shit, I'm seeing the worst of the worst, and I can't separate myself from it? It's not really all like this. Or do you think that that this stuff is far more prevalent than we think? Well, you know, that's, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, and so I know things can get thrown in your face and I know, I know I take on a lot, you know, I mean, I'm basically, no, I'm not like calling myself a psychologist or anything, but that's kind of along the lines of what I do, you know, and, and 
I listen to these hard felt stories and extremely traumatic events or deep subjects like like hunting down pedophiles, you know, and in that episode, because because I've been diving into that subject, I, I have another interview with a guy named Matt Murphy, who's a former Green Beret CIA guy. Uh, he'd be a great interview for you, by the way. Mm. I'd love to connect you. Right but um, he's he started a a nonprofit where he's also doing this, and this is a subject that I want to hit this year. So yeah, I've immersed myself in it in the evilness of this, and I know it can it can overcome it can cons- it just consumes my thoughts. And so in this interview, because I was hoping I would prove myself wrong, right? He, the hacker, obviously has a laptop with him. <laughs> and and uh, I said, how long does it take for these guys to show up to start preying on kids? And he said, oh, man, it's almost immediate. And I said, really? And I was like, on what platforms? And he goes on, he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, you name it, they're there. And I said, just pull your laptop out. Hit a hit a chat room. Let's see how long it takes. I think it took five seconds. He used the name. I'll, st- I'll never forget it. He used the name Ashley Thirteen, New Jersey. Within, I'm a hundred percent that it was less than ten seconds. I think it was more like five seconds. And he goes, "Oh, we got one right here. A forty-seven-year-old male wants to have sex with a fourteen-year-old." Or a 13-year-old, sorry, 13-year-old, you know? And so maybe the worst of the worst is a lot more common than you think it is. Could be. I think also the internet, and this actually can be a good tool of the internet with guys like him and and being able to find this stuff, but the, the internet gives us exposure to everybody. I've never been west of Pennsylvania in my life, but I can know people in Iowa, no problem. Yep. You know, whereas 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. 30 years ago, I guess I should say. But yeah, 20 before social media, especially, that really wasn't the case. And this is the dark side of it. And it, it's going to force us. It is forcing us through guys like you giving it a platform and doing things like that, which is great. But it's forcing us to ask some very difficult questions mm-hmm. and face some things that shouldn't be political, pointing to this screen once again back here to this law that's that's that is uh can you believe we're even having this conversation no i mean no me neither it's 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 crazy to me but i don't know there's something there's something in society that over the past i mean not to like put a label on it but since since trump really came up there is just something in society that snapped I don't know. I can't put my finger on like the spot, you know, like what things particularly you can kind of pick your your menu here. But there's something that snapped to where those things I talked about with getting behind your one or two things is on such steroids Mm -hmm. that the vitriol of those things becomes so big that everything else that should be big becomes small and you run into things like this. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not. I don't like sharing my opinions on political stuff either. I, I actually fucking despise it. What what I'm a fan of is bringing things to light yeah. and proving this isn't this isn't the 80s anymore. This isn't you know what I mean. This isn't the 90s. Like you have shit's getting bad, 
and you need to get off your fucking ass and do the research because this country's falling apart. So getting through the day, I had a tough day at work and I want to go home and have a beer and forget about everything. That shit doesn't fucking cut it anymore. Get off your ass and fucking do your research to figure out what the fuck is going on in this country. What do you do about it? You and you get informed. That's how all this shit is happening is people aren't informed. People aren't informed. You didn't know this was going on. You know, now, however many people watch this podcast, you got a great view duration. Now they're going to fucking know. Yeah. And they're going to start digging, you know, and that's why I'm saying podcasting is becoming so important because mainstream isn't going to cover this shit. They sweep it under the rug. They don't want anybody to look bad, you know, because unfortunately that is where we live. Look, Fox News isn't going to say anything bad about a Republican and fucking MSNBC isn't going to say anything bad about a liberal, you know, and that sucks because you're being you're being. I don't want to say brainwashed, but your your mind is being conditioned, you know, because they're leaving things out. They're not reporting things. And 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 I think, you know, is devices is divisive as the country became after Trump, which, it, you know, it did. It was important that he uncovered how fucking crooked all of D.C. is Republicans, Democrats, all of them. They're all corrupt. And they get, it became that way because nobody was paying attention. How much of this did you? How much of this did you personally see during your fifteen years or so in? Because you left in twenty fifteen, so you left right around this time, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. But when you got out, did you already, at that point, having been in the Navy SEALs, high up in the military, obviously, and? Uh, Many years in the CIA, I'm sure dealing with politicians on some level. I know you did five minutes at the State Department somewhere in there too. Mm-hmm. Like, did you already have an idea of of what the machine looked like on the inside, or has the last seven, eight years really exposed a lot to you? It's re- it's really exposed a lot more. I knew a lot of things that most people didn't know while I was working within some of these organizations, um, but just. I mean, the thing is, when you're working for, when you're in a high-profile government position or, or job, I should say, or or some of the some of the secret squirrel shit, just because I worked at CIA or I worked, you know, I was a SEAL, that you're not, you don't have, you're not privious to all the information that the CIA has, you know. So, you, you've heard, have you ever heard need to know? Need to know basis. Yep. You have the information that you need to know about that is relevant to the operations that you're conducting. And if you if it's outside of those operations, you don't have access to it. You don't have a need to know it. You don't have a need to research it. And it's it it's it's very compartmentalized. So when people think that Everybody who worked at the agency knows everything about the JFK assassination and and UFOs and UAPs and Area 51 and why the Twin Towers fell straight down and what about Building 7 and all. You know, we don't you don't have all that information. It's not like you just log into the database. You're like, well, what do I want to learn about today? You know, it's not like that. It's very 
It's very compartmentalized. You know what you need to know to make you effective at the operations that you're conducting at the time, and that's it. Everything else is is it's you don't have access to it. I think it's purposely set up that way. Yeah, and I mean it. It should be, you know. But um, I bet you weren't expecting it to get that heavy that quick. No, I love this. <laughs> but, um, I never know what to expect. This is great. But as far as uh, broadening the the horizon, let's talk about something good too. You know sure. about what I'm doing in my channel, and and it's not all about it. It's a lot of it is exposing this kind of shit, this evil and and corruption and all that stuff. But another thing that I do is I bring a lot of hope to people, you mm. know, and um, whether that's like I'm starting to dive into entrepreneur stories and I'm hoping you're on there one day, you know, and I mean, because I know you look at this, you know, you're starting from the ground up, yeah, you know, with with a low budget. And no look budget. At what you, look, look, yeah, with no budget, and look at what you built. Yeah, you know you're already up to what four hundred thousand, I think, close Something to like four hundred thousand subs from nothing, dude. You built this out of thin air, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. And what do you, what do you hear? All these, all these young people, they can't buy a house, they can't get a loan, they can't do this. The, the, the fucking rich people are keeping them down. They're, mm-hmm. You can't make a living here. That's all bullshit. That's all a narrative that's in their own head. I mean, there are more millionaires built in this country now from immigrants than there are from, oh, from I Americans. That. I believe you know? that 100%. Yeah. I've just, I, just, I just saw a personal testimony last week. My, my, I had to rip my studio up. I had to rip a wall out. And the guy that framed my studio was from mexico you know and built a small little business and was barely scraping by you know trying to get his name out there barely spoke any english now this dude's got like six or seven projects going on at once totally different stature you know and that's i've been in that studio for two years and he built that He's got his own crew now. He's got a nice truck. He's got nice clothes. He's got nice glasses. You got the best studio in the game, too. You know? I gotta and tell you. You know how he got that? From fucking hard work. Yeah. It can be done. Yeah. You know? It it happens from not sitting around and fucking whining and wishing you had, I want that G-Wagon. I want that Rolex. I want that house. I want to have that. I want to be able to live out in the country. Well, then get off your fucking ass and go get it. Everything is within your reach it's these people that put limitations on themselves. And so what I want to do is break that shit and show these people, you can fucking do this. I did this shit. I didn't have any money. You know, I left the agency. I told you I left it abruptly. And I had no plan. And I I made it happen. And now I'm one of the top podcasts in the country. You know, and it didn't just fall into my lap. I didn't have a multi-million dollar budget to build a badass studio. I built my fucking studio in the attic of my house, <laughs> you know? And then I did that for about a year and a half. And then my wife got pregnant. She kicked me out because <laughs> she got tired of having, because she got tired of having all these people on it over at the house that she didn't know when she's pregnant. And I, <laughs> and it grew into that studio and then advertisers came along. And then I started selling merchandise and, you know, and, and whatever, there's a success story. And you're going to be a success story, too. I, I can that. tell. Because you put the fucking time and the work in this shit. You eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. I can tell. It shows in the, in the, in the, prod- in the end product, you know? And it's always these, it's these 
I think it used to always be these people that just want to bitch and they don't want to put the word in. Now I think that that word has become so powerful that people actually think that they're being, that they can't do it. It's impossible to make money. It's impossible to build a business and it's, it's not fucking impossible, you know? And so I'm bringing those on child abuse. We talk a lot about, I just had the last guy on the show who his prime hall guy had, I mean, his, his abuse is, insane as a kid i mean he had a peeping tom for i can't remember how many years years i had a that was coming up to my window at my house somebody was in your window right up on the window watching me um for years breathing on the window like tapping the window So I started living in my closet and sleeping in there, you know, because I didn't want this guy to see me. I told my parents, but they didn't, they hadn't caught him yet, so they didn't believe him. Oh, I see. oh, you put out a clip about that, too. Yeah. I saw that. You know, but Shit. it's, do you know how many kids are going through abusive relationships and, and, Little girls are being raped by family members and, and kids are getting the shit knocked out of them every fucking day by an alcoholic father or a drug addict mother or whatever it is. And and what happens? They fall into this cycle, right? Where they that's all they see. That's all they know. And they can't fucking get out of it. I think that's a big problem what's going on in the inner cities, you know? And so when you bring a guy like that on, like Prime Hall, who's been there, he's walked in those shoes and look at him now. He's out of it. He's got himself out. He's got himself. He had a successful career at, as a Marine Raider at Marsoc. Now he's doing this underwater ULT thing. That's going to become. It's going to become a national televised sport. It's amazing. What is it? It's this uh, underwater torpedo league. Under that sounds fucking wild. What yeah, is it's that? cool. What is that? Uh, I mean, I don't know all the rules, but it's it's kind of like it's kind of like underwater rugby. Hmm. Is my uh, take on it? We used to. We used to play it in the when I was a seal. They put like these hockey goals underwater, and you have um, like a football that sinks. You wearing like the oxygen tank? No, no, it's all breath holds. Holy but, shit! Yeah, it's kind of like a mix of uh, water polo and rugby, maybe. But um, but in in and that's that's cool because it brings people hope. You know, or you bring on some of these entrepreneurs, like I'm trying to get this guy, Andy Frizzella, uh, who started First Form. But I mean, this guy started in Springfield, Missouri, poor as shit, not a dime to his name, sleeping on a mattress on the floor in the back of a supplement store for I don't know how many years, you know? And now look at him. Now, it's amazing. Yeah. you know, he's one of the biggest supplement companies in the entire country. He's built a phenomenal company. They have an amazing culture there. I went on his podcast a couple months back. I mean, you walk in. I I couldn't believe this shit. But um, oh, so you know him already? I do. So I know you're going to get him on. I'll get him, of course. But, you say that like I don't know if we're going to get him. <laughs> yeah, but um, but uh, I go to the the bathroom and I come out and there's not there's not a drop of water on the sink. There's no dirty towels on the floor. There's no shit paper on the floor. The toilets are all clean. You know why? Because he's created a culture where these where all of the people that work there, they take pride in what they do and they 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 take care of everything. Mm. You know, if you make a mess, you fucking clean it up. That's your job to clean it up. You don't see that shit anymore. 
Mm-mm. I mean, I just got out of the Philadelphia airport on the way here. <laughs> you know, I can tell you what, those bathrooms don't look like that. And they don't look like that because nobody takes pride in their fucking work anymore. Well, you know, it's also the worst airport and, in America. So, well, Nashville wasn't any better, <laughs> but um, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. you see it everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's not my problem. And we were talking about this. We were talking about corporate America on the way up here and how mm. much of a fucking disaster. I mean, I've never had to deal with it. Now I have to deal with it because I have to deal with corporate America through sponsorships and other stuff, and it's it's a disaster. And I can see I deal with these people, and I know I'm like, man, if the CEO knew the conversation that I just had with you, your ass would be fucking gone. Yeah. You know? And that's got to be at least 50% of the people I talk to in corporate America. There's just somebody punching the fucking clock. And they have, a, they have a hard stop at 5 o'clock. Yep. Yeah, yeah dude. I You were saying to me that uh, you never got to experience that for yourself, and you're like, I wonder what it would have been like. And I think I said, you don't want to know. Because <laughs> it's just like... It's not, I I did it for four or five years and the word groupthink, do you think about that a lot? Groupthink? Yeah. What's that? I actually said the same thing when someone showed that to me when I was like 20. I thought it was like a fake word they had made up. But groupthink is probably will explain everything that you've ever had a problem with. It's the idea, and I'm going to fuck up exactly how to say this, but it's the idea of the opinion of a mass taking a unitary type way of doing something because that's what everyone's doing and you like once you're in a larger group of people you stop thinking on your own about the right or wrong way to do something right and so when you look at a corporate structure where you have a guy on a team who reports to a guy who's on a team and each team has like their own little spot in their own cog on this giant wheel of sometimes hundreds of thousands of employees Well, it's easy for someone in this aisle to fuck something up that then fucks up the whole place because they're thinking, oh, everyone else has my back because this is how we do things here. Like that's a prime example of of groupthink. And what you're talking about specifically there with people just not not knowing how to like be a real person and like do their job and like take some some charge of the situation, it's because in my opinion, they're in such a box in that place. There's a reason there's cubicles. Like that's that's not just like a symbol. That's like a real thing. Like like people, they have their cubicles, they have their little team areas, and that's it. That's all they see. So they're locked in on one thing, and they have no ability to see outside of those blinders that are put up for them. Yeah, it kind of it it almost seems like a form of slavery to me. Mm. Yeah, you know, they go, they park in the same parking spot. They go into the same building. They sit in the same fucking cubicle. They go back to the same parking spot. They go to the same spot for lunch. They go to the big, huge apartment complex. I don't know if if you guys are expanding here, but I live in I live in Franklin, Tennessee, one of the fastest grown. It's Tennessee is one of the fastest grown states in the country, and I just see apartment complex after apartment complex after a car apartment complex being stacked on top of each other and i see these huge corporate headquarters and i'm like this this pay somebody a shit wage they show up you know for 19 years and then they fire them right before they get fucking retirement yeah you know that seems to be the corporate model yeah i i I would tend, I'm biased, but I tend to agree with you. I, I think it is in a lot of ways. And it depends where you are. 
like it's not it's not this way in every job in every place but in a lot of places it is some form of slavery or you are paid for it obviously which you know not to put too much on that but you know people the, the thing about people across society that I've learned as I've come into the real world and seen how things work is how quickly people will get with something new and not not have any questions about it you know I remember my dad told me that when the pandemic broke out like we were we were probably like three weeks into it and he was just I had just come back here because I didn't resign my lease I, I came back here and he walked in and he was like yeah I told you this shit's going on for a lot longer than we thought two weeks my ass like these people are going to hold it out forever. But he's like, look at how fucking fast everybody got behind this. Like, look at how fast everybody went home. He's like, I just went to the food store. There was one person there. He's like, I know it's like a crisis and everything because it was, it was really, really bad up here. But he's like, he was just like, I'll never forget his face. He's just like, that is fucking crazy. Like, and, and he said, don't ever say that people, that people can't change when they're given an impetus. And he didn't mean that in a good way. You know, and so when I look at corporations, I think, however, the like in my career at my company where I was at, we were owned by Bank of America, I would constantly see them move the goalposts mm -hmm. on how things were done. And every time people had no choice but to get with it to the point that they didn't even, you know, they'd complain for five minutes and the next day it was like they'd been doing that thing their whole life now. And I said, I never want to fucking do that. It, it just takes some courage. You know, I mean, you, you were on Wall Street, if I remember correctly, correct? Yep. yep. You were on Wall Street, probably making pretty decent money, because from what I've heard, people on Wall Street make good money. I turned down the contract when I was going to start making money, but my years, I did not. I've lived paycheck to paycheck. But yes, there's good money on Wall Street. I would have made a lot if I stayed. You're making a lot less right now, right? A lot less, yes. Would you go back? Fuck no. Exactly. Yeah. Because you like what you're doing, and yeah. you're going to build this into something tremendous. It's going to be fucking awesome. You, I can see it. You can see it. I appreciate that. Everybody can you. see it, you know? And so right there, that's a success story. You know, that's uh, that your story is going to give somebody the motivation that they need to walk out of that fucking cubicle and go make a real life for themselves and stop slaving away for these fucking assholes in corporate America. Because they don't give a fuck about you. No. And they don't give a shit about your agenda. They just want you to do what you're told. You do what you're told. Do what you're fucking told. Put your, you know... And and then and then we'll fire you right before we owe you a pension or retirement or whatever. You it's know? a giant hamster wheel. Yeah, they just and give so, it to you and tell you to run. So, anyways, back to you know you why why am I uh, broadening the horizons? That's why because people have to hear this shit so that they know that it can it that it that it's it's not as far of a reach as you think it is. You can make it on your own. I think it also has to come – like it, it's great that, that you're going to show some of that too, which I think is really cool. But to a point you said a little bit ago that was spot on, it's like it has to come within too. Mm -hmm. People – you know, you can sit there and, and – and Andy Frisella was the guy who did the 75 hard and all that stuff I believe. So yeah. you can sit there and hear a guy preach about that, but if you don't do it, you're just listening to a guy preach about it, you know? Yeah. And like – to me, the older I get, the more I realize that some people are just content, man. Yeah, and that's that was my kind of my original point is there are there's always going to be the lazy turds that just want to punch the clock and do nothing. But what I but 
that narrative is spread so wide and I think it's I think it's been engineered. I think it's done on purpose. They want everybody to think that they can't make it on their own. They want everybody to think that it's impossible to build your own fucking business because guess what? If everybody thinks that, they have a lot more slaves. If less people think that, then they have less slaves to do mm-hmm. their work for them. You know, and so but the narrative is spread so wide that I don't think that everybody that thinks like that is lazy. I, in fact, I know they aren't because I, I've swiped a couple of people on my team from corporate America. And one of them in particular had those exact same, he had that narrative in his head. I can't buy a house. You have to be rich and white to buy a fucking house. You have to do this. You, sure as shit, I'm like, have you ever applied for a mortgage? Mm. No, he hadn't. Well, here, let's go through this. Let me walk you through the steps. Mm. Guess what? Now he owns a beautiful home on like a couple acres in Tennessee, and he's doing great. And to be honest with you, he's making less money with me than he was at corporate (laughs) America, but he's living a better life, you know? And it's fucking cool to see that shit because he's been – that was the narrative. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. Two two guys that were on my team are now homeowners that thought that way. It's pretty cool how quickly you were able. You know, you've done this over a five six year period, including when you were building the the initial part of like Vigilance Elite. Like that's not that long a time to be able to have this type of effect on people's lives who are working with you too. It's really cool. I I care about people. You know, I do. Like I I can't stand a lot of people too, but you know, <laughs> behind the scenes, like I really care about. I really care about my team. I invest in them. You know, I invest in in my invest. I mean, I'm, I give them time. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them build their own businesses and move on past this. You know, I'm not trying to trap anybody. I'm not I I love my fucking team, man. They're like family to me. And and I do this stuff with the guests too, with these especially with the veterans that are coming out. They don't have a fucking clue about business. They don't know that all these these major corporations are going to scam them and give them, you know, uh, they're not going to pay them for advertising. They don't realize that they're – when Kyle Morgan came on, he didn't realize he's he's now the premier trainer in the country, mm. you know? He didn't, he didn't value himself to that because he's coming from a place where everybody is a phenomenal operator, you know? And, and when you leave that – and and you're trying to to make it in a new market, you know, there's not a lot of hope because nobody's going to help these guys. Nobody's they're just going to let them drown. And that goes to the the podcast, the 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 circle jerk that I was talking about about the same people fucking going on all these yeah. podcasts and building their companies and cutting everybody else out, not giving them a voice. That's where I come in. Now Kyle Morgan has a successful company, you know, and any any time he has, I mean, I don't think he needs my help anymore, and, and my business experience is very limited. But I'm going to give you the shirt off my back because I want to see these people succeed. They deserve to succeed. I mean, the the shit that that guy went through, you know, I don't know if you listened to that episode. I mean, I don't know, know if I, I he stormed he stormed a hotel in Mali that was being uh, I can't remember. I think it was Al Shabaab terrorists were just. They're fucking killing everybody. News of a new t-
terror attack, this time in West Africa. Special forces in the capital of Mali have stormed a luxury hotel where gunmen are holding up to 170 hostages. The standoff at the Radisson Blue. How many bodies were you seeing? The first few um, were just kind of like sporadic in the foyer area. And then... Did you know any of them? This one American it just like called and said that he's trapped in a room on fire. And he's hiding under one of the banquet tables and they're shooting over top of him. Please come get me, come help me. And he was one of the only guys that had the had the balls to go in there and get these fuckers. In fact, it turned into he was the only one. The two other guys that went in there with him left. They bitched out. And so it was just him for a while going after these terrorists, saving these people, pulling people out of fires, checking every single hotel door. And just seeing dead bodies, dead bodies. He talks about when he entered the hotel, the elevator. When he got word that the shooting was happening and people were dying, he talks about one of the first things he saw was the elevator doors just opening and closing on dead bodies. <clears throat> you know, one of the only guys that had the balls to go in there and get these fuckers and kill this evil. You know, that guy never would have been given a voice. Ever. But you gave him one. Fuck yeah, I did. Everybody should give him one. Everybody should yeah. want to hear that. And that's what I'm talking about by, I mean, I can't tell his whole story, you know what I mean, uh, on here because we'll be here for seven hours. But <laughs> but that's a historical event. That's yeah. what an American hero is. That's what kids should aspire to be like. You know, somebody that fucking stands up for what they believe in and and it's going to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves and that shit's going away you know and so this that's how important this shit is you have to document that and you have to praise that and show people like look at this this is a fucking american nobody else is doing this shit not not enough people man like i said i think it's it's like you kind of get your regular yeah, you go do it, 30-minute podcast, yeah. you know, with somebody just talking about, you got to have discipline, whatever. Yeah. And if it's a really great person and it's a longer form, you know, like a Goggins or something like that, then, yeah, it's it's effective. But, you know, th there's being able to put a story with it. This is something else you and I were talking about, too, earlier. Like, when you put a story behind why someone is the way they, they are and how they did what they did. That's where it all changes because that's what makes – that's how human beings think. The power of the storyteller, especially when they got a true story about themselves to tell, is incredible because other people will be able to see themselves in a parallel world potentially in that person and what they do. And I think when you're coming at it from the angle you are where you're getting a lot of guys who, as you said, have never – they've never been heard before. They've never been anywhere, but they've done the wildest shit. And they had to qualify like crazy to be able to get into the position to do that shit. And maybe they had to come against all odds to get themselves just the, to the position of going to qualify to do that. 
And when people hear this all together and they – again, your your episodes are like documentaries. You hear about their life growing up. You hear about their life getting in. You hear about their life once they got in. You hear about their life on the worst missions. You hear about their life afterwards and how they dealt with it. You know these people mm-hmm. at the end. And I, I agree. I, I, I hope you keep doing that because it, it's it's a powerful thing. But you know, the, the other thing with the type of content you're making being that you are a former Navy SEAL and stuff is – a lot of us hear about this community and particularly the Navy SEAL community and some of the stuff you've hinted at today where a lot of guys will go on and do a lot of content. Have you gotten blowback at all from the Navy SEALs for being a guy who puts on content or is it kind of the opposite where they're very happy that you're somebody who's highlighting all these different stories rather than just you know telling your own story over and over again? Uh, you know, I would say it's a little of both. You know, I'm, some of them I get blowback from. Uh, most of the time when I get blowback from these guys, it's jealousy. It's, mm. it's, I should be the one sitting in that fucking chair. I should be the one with the platform. I should be the one getting interviewed. You shouldn't have him on. He was a piece of shit back when he was a SEAL teammate. You know, you shouldn't have him on. He didn't, he didn't, he's not really the guy that killed bin Laden. You shouldn't, you know, it's a lot of opinions and jealousy and shit. But I would say that the majority of the community, I mean, they're happy that these stories are getting out because they're not it's being good. told. And you know what? Veterans that are coming out of the military do not feel appreciated today. You know why they don't feel appreciated? Because you flip the news on. You come, Kyle Morgan comes home from Mali, you know, and what does he flip the news on and see? He sees a bunch of shit with Brittany Griner who fucking said that she hates America and now she's locked up in Russia and we're going to go get her. That's the headline. That's the narrative. And then you got a guy like Kyle who saved a bunch of Americans. Not a not a blurb. Not one fucking blurb. You know, that's all you hear. And these guys come home and they're like, what the fuck did I do it for? Nobody even gives a shit. Nobody cares that I did this. Then they come on the show and they see there are people that give a shit. All right, guys. That is the end of my sit-down with Sean. Next week, we are going to have... Joe Teddy, who was ex-CIA ground branch. So yeah, we're getting getting a few weeks of CIA in a row right here because I got one right after him too. But ground branch, for those of you that don't know, is the CIA's official, unofficial assassinations bureau. You know, they go around, they take care of business around the world. So you're going to really like Joe. He's a pretty wild character and had a hell of a career. After him, not to bury the lead, we do have... Mr. Andrew Bustamante coming in for the fourth round with the two of us doing it, the third on this show, and then we did the one crossover with Special Agent Jim DiOrio on Concrete, number 162, if you guys haven't seen that. But looking forward to having three weeks in a row of the same topic for the first time in the history of this podcast. Let's see how that works out. Thank you to everyone once again who shared this show around, and I will see you guys next week. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and like the video, and also, if you are a Spotify user, would love to see you over there as well. We are Julian Dory Podcast on Spotify. Go follow.